of crying. Speaking of crying. Speaking of crying. Speaking of crying. Uh, first of all, I, want, I didn't say it last week. I wanted to thank Jenny last week for sponsoring our initial uh, uh, food uh, items that came together with our year last week. Um, so people, if anyone wants to sponsor, you can always feel free to talk to Jenny about it. Get a little, little, some food at the shear every once in a while, so that'd be great if we want to do that. Um, like we say, max, maximum invite, minimum pressure. Um, but, uh, so anyways, we really appreciate it. He's been putting together the, the flyers and posting them places. So I want to thank Jenny. Thank you very much for, for doing that. So this week, I want to talk about an approach to a medrash, which we've probably heard the medrash before. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but an approach that Rabbi Foreman um, has very Foreman uh, finally put out a book on the Parsha um, about a year ago, I think. Um, and it's a re- what I love about it um, is it's a great way to, to learn. Sometimes we see Midrashim and they just like, we're like, okay, like, thanks. You know, and like, we're, but to see how Midrash can really come out of the text. And it's, it's really answering a question that we should, we're all bothered by when we, when we, when we see the text. So we'll, let's take a look at a story that we, again, we know well, and maybe a midrash that we know well, don't know well, but hopefully get us some, I think, see some really interesting connections, which the Jerry Foreman always does, uh, to try to explain a little bit better. So take a look at source number one. We're in the story. Now, we skip the dream. We skip all that stuff. We're just going to go straight to, Rachel, to, to Yaakov and Rachel meeting for the first time. So, Rachel right? He's having conversation with the shepherds. He's telling them to go back to work, and he sees Rachel coming. See, he sees Rachel, the daughter of Lavan, who is the brother of his mother. I Meaning, he realizes that she is family. He must ask somebody. And she's and she's caring for his for Lavan's flock. Right, that, that, that the well was covered by this very heavy rock that no one could uncover. And somehow, all of a sudden, he was able to. Right? He saw the woman of his dreams and he was able to uncover the rock. Fine. He gives her a kiss. He starts to cry. He starts to cry. Um, and she tells him, Tells her, by the way, you know who I am. I'm your, I'm your cousin, basically. And she goes and tells her father, and her father comes out, and he realizes who he is, and he comes out to greet him, and he kisses him, etc. And, and, and they spend time together, he works for him for free. And then eventually, Lavan says, you know, tell me how much you want. But the bottom line is, he wants to marry Rachel, and he knows he's going to have to pay for it. Fine. That's the story. Uh, it's kind of interesting that when Yaakov meets Rachel, the first thing that he does is cry. Why would Yaakov cry when he meets Rachel? What would be the simple explanation? I want a real answer. I want a real answer. I don't want a made up answer. I want you, what would you say if you were just reading the story? What would you say is the reason that Yaakov cries when he meets Rachel? He's so happy that he found his Bashirat, I guess. Okay, meaning that he already knows. Love at first yeah, sight. Like it's so like, it's like a relief, like he found her. Fine, so he's crying out of relief. Like, yeah. okay, good. What else? Or what other possibilities are there? He didn't like that. No, I, li- I like that answer. I mean, That's cries, a good answer. Let's see what else we have. He also. cries knowing that he's not going to be able to actually marry her right away. Okay, why does he know that? Because he doesn't have the resources that would... Okay, so if he shows up poor and he knows that this is how it works in their society, so he cries maybe knowing that like, this is going to take a long time. Okay? Like this is going to be hard, a hard road ahead maybe. Okay, yeah. 
I was thinking relief also, but a different kind of relief, like maybe, so he runs away from home in fear of his life, leaves his family behind. Hashem comes to him in this dream and promises, I'm with you, don't worry. But like, you're worried. And then you show up here and the first thing that happens is the next step on a journey that says, Hashem is with me, it's gonna work out. And then he cries from relief. So like a relief like, like Hashem is with me. Hashem is with me. This is going to, maybe things right. are going to be okay after like how hard and dark and difficult. There's a lot of talk about that Avram was taken to Lashachris and, and Yitzchak makes Mincha and Yaakov makes Mariv. Why does Yaakov create Mariv? Because Yaakov lives in the dark. Right? Yaakov has a hard things in his life. A lot of, he's basically his whole life is hard. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's going through this. He has, he, he has a dream at night, right? On harm, wherever it is, right? But he, he has that dream in the dark. It's hard. And now he's like, Seeing the beginning of, so it's like, like, like almost a relieved, happy cry. Right. Okay. Could it just be that he's like so grateful that this family of his are, they're kind people, that he sees what she's doing, because he, he's running away from, he doesn't know who these people are, and has heard bad things about the family. He's like, oh no, they're decent people at least. Right. So maybe there's a certain relief of like, he ran from his family, he's trying to find his family, he hopes they'll be there, who knows? And who knows? And he arrives. They could be his mother says, "Go to my family." Maybe they've been killed by a band of bandits. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. There wasn't no way of knowing what was going to be there when he arrives. He arrives and he finds her. Maybe it's a sense of like relief. Just finding her at all. Right. Just finding her at all, and then finds this girl who apparently he likes a lot, and he feels like he just met her. But okay. But he but he like, feels this connection right away. So this is this maybe this cry of like relief of finding family again. He's been aban- He's been sort of sent away from his family all by himself. He's sleeping in random places throughout the night for who knows how many weeks till he got, days and weeks till he got there. Good, good. So that's what I, yeah, what Sometimes else? Sometimes like you're just like overcome with emotion by just beauty, like beauty of nature, beauty of a person. Like it could just really hit your essence so much that it brings you to tears. Okay, like just the tears of like, wow. Okay, great, good. All those are fair, I think, and reasonable explanations for why he cried. Yet, take a look at Rashi. <laughs> Who quotes a midrash? Maybe he wants to go home. <laughs> so take a look. Yeah, Rashi's gonna, Rashi's gonna, Rashi's gonna like, right? Look what Rashi's gonna do. Because I think all your answers, and by the way, I, I don't think that they're wrong. I think that they're, I think they're probably the, the right answers in Pashup Shat. I think a lot of those answers are probably correct, and that's probably the that's okay. That's probably the right answer, right? That he feels a sense of, a certain relief, right? There's such an emotional. Oh my gosh, like what's going to happen when he arrives and he's talking to these guys and who am I going to find my family? And he, and he sees her and he just like loses it. And by the way, it could also be like a comfort in seeing her, not like a relief, but almost like a catharsis. Like he, look how, how sad he is. Maybe he's just sad, you know? And like what, what's happened to him? His mother forced him to do this thing he didn't want to do. And he, his brother wants to kill him. He's running away. You know, it, it's just this horrible feeling and he has no one to release it on. And now he has someone who he feels can care for him and would, ma- would care, and he just like, you know, loses it. You know, that could be also. Okay. But like, Rashi doesn't say any of these things. Rashi says, <laughs> I mean, he does say some of them. I shouldn't say it. He does say some of them. Rashi says, Why does he cry? So one answer is, he's going to have two answers. Answer number one is because he saw Baruch Kodesh that they will not be buried together. Mm-hmm. That would be the first thing. I'm going to guess that. <laughs> right. yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess he's an obvious. So, I mean, it's not crazy. Right. The guy does speak to God. He does. He speaks to Hashem. So, I mean, we're not like, 
he is a Navi, so he has a Nevuah, right? Um, oh my gosh, he knows whatever, however, Nevi'im know these things, that they're not going to be buried together. Because who's going to be buried with? Yeah. Leia. Why is he being buried with Leia? Rachel dies early on the way, right? When they're coming back to Eretz Israel, and then it's only with Leia that he's end up being buried. So he sees that he has a vision, whatever that means. That he's not even buried with her. That's terribly sad for him. Okay, if you got if Hashem flashed in that information to any person when they're meeting a person that they, they feel they're gonna love and be able to have a, a relationship with, that's very sad. He wouldn't, no one would want that information, right? But he gets it. And according to Rashi, he gets that information, and that's very sad. Okay. The first thing that's flashed and that's the weird, weird thing to be upset about it before you have a relationship with the person. He doesn't even know her. Yeah. But why would God even send that as the first thing to the yeah. like beautiful child they have to go? Yeah, know. it's, it's okay. very bizarre. Like, I, I mean, again, you could just accept it. Okay, like if that's the Messiah we have, so fine. But, th- but don't worry. I'm, I'm, I, we, this, is, this, should be, this should bother you. Good, you're in the right place. It was bothering you. It's not like that he came from like, such a spiritual world and now he's going to have to work the land. Like, that's like, also hard for him. Yeah. It's probably also hard, yeah. Davar Acher. Another reason he was upset. He came empty-handed, I believe it said. Amar Eliezer Ever Avi Ba Avi Abba Hayu Biyadav Nizamim Vitsmidim Umbigdanos. When my when my father's servant came to find my father a wife, he came with gold and silver and camels and the whole the whole shebang. Vani Aim Biyadikum and I came empty-handed. Lefisha Radaf El. So and and why does he come empty-handed? Rashi will tell you. Exactly why Yaakov has no money. So if he came to the show last week, mm-hmm. he would know the answer right. is because Yitzchak was poor. Right. And that's all. Yitzchak was just poor. But that's not the answer Rashi is going to give. Lefisha Radov Alifaz ben Esav. Alifaz, the son of Esav, came after him. Bemitzvas Aviv, Acharav, Lohargo, Visigo. So his father, Esav, sent Alifaz, according to the Medrash, to kill Yitzchak, to kill Yaakov. And he got there. Ulefisha Gadol Alifaz bechikal she Yitzchak. Because Alifaz grew up in his grandfather's house, he didn't want to commit murder. He wouldn't kill his uncle. He wasn't interested in that. So he, ref- so he didn't want to do it. So Amrullah Ma'esa, let's see if my father commanded me to Kibbut Avim. And Esav is the king of Kibbut Avim. Right? So I got to do Kibbut Avim. What am I going to do? So he says, Amrullah Yaakov, take my money. Someone who has no money is considered like their mace, whatever that means. So I'll, we'll pull a halachic wool over the eyes of your father and we'll trick him. And you can go back and say, I killed him. You can say, I, I made him dead. I, I was immunized. Right? If, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you got to pay attention to Aaron Rodgers. Right? He said, right? So I, he lied about it, whatever. So he'll say, he'll say you know, I, I killed him and uh, that'll be the end. He wasn't going to find out ever that he was still alive. Very hard. There was no internet. That's true. He wouldn't be caught. He wouldn't be caught by by somebody else. Not. But fine. By the way, what 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 mida do you pick up here, though? By the way, sorry, that was me. I think. Um, and that was the thing that holds the thing on. Mark Zamek has all kinds of things going on here. If you push the wrong button, things pop out. You know? um, but uh, right, he's so. Just by the way, what mida is is the medrash picking up here in Yaakov that gets him saved again? According to this medrash, what does he do to get himself out of this? He like uh, comes up with a halachic. Uh, so he gets another right. Yaakov is now Yaakov the Ishtam Yosef Olim has now become Mister. Uh, 
you know, Mr. Yeshiva moves, you know, to make things work. You know, so, so he already, all right, right. Yeah, so he figured out how to, how to get the bracha, and now he figures out how to make himself dead in halacha. Right? And he does, he's starting to work fine. That's great. So, very nice. It's all very nice, except that it is what, what, like, this is a very easy answer to why he's crying. We gave seven of them as to why he's crying. And the Medrash gives two answers which are very hard to understand. Uh, one, that he cries because he sees he's not going to be buried with Rachel. Like, what? Like, what? Okay. Number two, because he came with nothing, that's why he's crying. Why is he crying? Because he comes with no... I get, I get if it's true, at least according to the first, first answer, I get why he's crying. Okay, so he sees he's not going to... If that's true, fine. But according to the second answer, why does that make him cry? That he has no money. You're embarrassed. You're coming. He's embarrassed. So he's embarrassed that he comes to nothing. Okay, okay, okay. Fine. Yeah. I have these students who are like, I have Tom meeting with him. like, oh, there's like this new place to go in the city. It's like totally free. I'm like, pause. I'm like, totally free is not like the move you want on all your dates, but it's not what you want them to know. Totally free. It was like, great. We want. It was like, great, we walked around for our three hours and didn't pay a thing. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, there's a reason why she didn't want to go out again. Um, but, uh, correct, it's true, it's true. We went on our first date, on our first date. Chani was living in the Heights and I was in the Heights. And we were going to the city and I said, can we take the subway? Um, and she's like, yeah, how else we get there? I was like, <laughs> she said, never going to go on the Staten Island. It was, lo- it was love at first sight. It was love at first was so excited. And he figured out that a Canadian quarter, which was worth 17 cents, could be used in a meter. Ah, uh, see? I said, oh, yeah, this is a great so, yeah. <laughs> My first day with Ruben was during the subway strike. It cost him $80 to come from the Upper West there, Side. See, Zena thought he knew it was the one. See? And I had to marry <laughs> So there you go. There you go. Fine. So the question is, what, where does the Medrash... The Medrash doesn't come up out of nowhere. The Midrash Chazal don't make these things up just like for fun. Right? They have to come from something. So where is this coming from? And is there maybe a connection between these two answers? Okay? So why does somebody cry in the Torah? Why do people cry? So we gave a lot of reasons why someone would cry. Okay? There's a, there are other people in the Torah about whom the same exact phrase is used. One of them is, source number three, Hagar. Mm. Hagar is about to lose Yishmael. She stays about a, a bow, bow and arrow's length away, which is interesting because Yishmael becomes a hunter. hunter. It's interesting, it's for a different year. She doesn't want to see what's going to happen. She sits and she cries. Why does she sit and she cry? What does she think? What does she know is happening? He's dying. He's dying. She's going to lose someone that she loves. She's lose, something that she wants so badly, something she cares about so badly, is starting to slip through her fingers, right? She's not going to have that person anymore, right? So we see already, we already know that when somebody cries in that, with that exact language, and we're going to see another person who cries that way also, who cries with this exact phrase, it always is a person who sees that they're losing something already. Right? So that the idea that Yaakov is crying about something that's already lost when he arrives, so the Midrash is not totally making that up because it, we find this phrase also in that similar type of place. 
But the truth is, Yaakov's not only using Rachel in death, he's going to lose her even in life. Right? Because what does he also know? This is not going to, this, I'm not, and, and, and he, he knows I'm not going to be the one who's going to be able to marry only Rachel. Right? If, she, if Leah knew the story, right? If Leah's crying, right? Because she, her, the older goes to the older, the younger goes to the younger. So, Lachora, Yaakov knows that too. Right? And he meets her and he realizes who she is. And maybe this is not going not gonna to go. But what is the reason why Yaakov knows it's not going to work? And this he might know already in Pshat when he goes to see his uncle. What is his uncle probably going to do to him? Going to try to mess him over. Right? His uncle is, is, a, is a, a liar. He's a trick, trickster. They know, they know these things. Lavan was already there. Right? Lavan was present when Yitzchak and Rivka get married. Right? And Lavan is present in that negotiation too. So it's not, so, would it be so surprising for Yaakov to know that there's a possibility that his uncle is also going to have tricks up his sleeve? But when is his uncle only going to have tricks up his sleeve? Who, who's a prime victim of somebody who wants to deceive and take advantage of people? Someone who wants something from you. Someone who wants something from you and somebody who has nothing. nothing. Right? If you don't have come with anything, you show up empty-handed. Right? So what are the chances that someone's going to consider right, things will work out for you just the way you want it, or maybe that someone who's more powerful is going to find some way to mess with you. Right? So it could be right, that, and this is what Rabbi Foreman wants to argue, that this idea of he cries because he feels like he's losing something. Right? Again, the Midrash turns it into he's losing because he's not going to be buried with her. He won't be buried with her because he'll be buried with Leah. Fine. Whatever he knows, does he know the exact details? Does it mean he got a nevuah? Or it means he knows what's like maybe heading his direction because of the family dynamics. And the other answer of the Midrash is that what? He, he cries because he comes empty-handed. They're not separate. Right? Maybe, the, maybe the, dif- the, the difference maker, the thing that's going to place him in that position where he's not going to be able to get what he wants fully is because he's going to be able to be taken advantage of because he shows up with no money. Fine. Uh, fine. But what's so interesting also is who's that person? Well, we didn't answer that. Like, what, so what about Alifas? So how does the, the, the measures make up this idea of Alifas? And where does Alifas come from now? Right, so we have, we, at least this point, according to my reform, what you've done, you said that the visa has something he's going to lose. Maybe he knows he could lose it because he's hanging out with Lavan and he doesn't have any money. Connect those two, shut them in the Medrash, actually go together, not two separate things. But how do they know that, that there's like, Esau's son is the one who comes and makes him lose the money? Because there's one other person who also is by Yisav's Kolov Who's that? That was Esau. Esau also, guys. Right? Take a look at uh, source number four. Right? So, so Esau shows up after Yaakov steals the bracha. It's like the saddest, it's like such a sad scene, right? He shows up. See, he got me twice now. He took my Bechora, and now he took my Bracha. Like, you don't have something for me? Nothing left? I already made him. He's going to rule over you. It's too late. I already, it's, it's done. The deal is done. So what happens in the next passage? Avi, you have nothing. 
Brachini gam ani avit. Give me something. Vayisa Esav es And Esav also starts to cry. Esav starts to cry. He sees also what's falling between his, what's he losing, Esav, also losing his future. Right, what he thought he was going to have, he's now also lost. So what does the Torah do? What does the Magist do? They turn it on Yaakov. Take a look at source number five. Here's where your was onwards. I'm sorry, it's like very dark. It came out a lot darker in the photography. And yet, yeah, can you read it at all? Sort of, yeah? Okay. And yet, Jacob survives the manhunt. How? By means of a ruse, say the sages. Jacob had a helpful suggestion for his pursuer. Deceive your father, Oliphas, as I deceived mine. Here, take my money. Now you can just go tell him that I'm dead. That ruse is the next point in the line the sages are drawing to connect Esau's tears with Yaakov's. On one level, the ruse works. Yaakov escapes with his life. He survives the threat of Eliphaz. But that escape comes at a terrible hidden cost. By parting with his money, the sages tell us, by giving it to Eliphaz, Yaakov finds that he has nothing left, just when it matters most. He tells Eliphaz that a poor man is as good as dead. He meant it as a way of just getting out of things, right? But now, when Yaakov meets Lavan, he finds that his white lie he asked Eliphaz to tell his father has now become all too true. Yaakov is a pauper, and Lavan treats him with utter disregard. He takes advantage of Yaakov's weakened stature by switching Rachel for Leah under the chuppah. The line the sages are drawing has now reached its end point. Yaakov has provoked his brother's anguished tears. Now Yaakov will shed his own tears of anguish when he first meets his beloved Rachel. He perceives at that moment that she will slip away from him. The justice seems apparent. Yaakov can't escape the effects of his own earlier actions. The tears Yaakov caused his brother to shed when he substituted himself for Esau, replacing an older child with the younger one, and now repaid with tears Yaakov sheds when his father-in-law replaces a younger child with an older one. The deceiver has become the deceived. That's what Yalavan says. Yaakov, we don't do that here to put the younger before the older. You think you're such a smart guy. We know how it works, and here we don't do that. So with, with that, argues Rabbi Foreman, we, it, it all comes back. Right? It's all kind of returned back on Yaakov. What Chazal are doing, they're not just, okay, so was it Alifaz? Was it somebody else? Was it a, the, the, the details of the Midrash are not important. They, they kind of like fill in the, 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 the gray there, like they fill in the blanks. But the messaging is the same. Right? That you tricked, so you get tricked, you have no money, so now it's going to mess you over. All, all the, the things are put together. And therefore, when he shows up and he cries, it goes together. He's not going to have Rachel, sort of, because of his actions from before. Right? It's kind of karma. Yeah. It's a midah, what Chalal would call midah kanagamida, right? It comes back at you. Right? When you act in that way, so it comes back to get you. And, that, and, and in that way, the Midrash is not random. Right? Randomly, he's crying because he's going to not be buried with her and Maras Machpela. No, it's he, he sees how this whole thing is going to work out. Right? And he's not randomly crying because he shows up with no money. He has no money because of what he's, what he's already kind of baked himself. It's kind of coming back at him this way. Again, there's a black, big debate, and sometimes it becomes Hashkafic, whether Midrash is meant to be taken literally or not. But for sure, everyone agrees that Midrash is there to teach us a lesson. Right? There's something, to, there's something that, that the Midrash is trying to plant for us and to help us see and what I think about reform is so cool about it is that a midrash that I, I learned I think when I was very little that he cries because it won't be better than Machpela is like okay becomes no this is actually a much deeper messaging in terms of what's 
the dynamics in the family and the dynamics of what's happening to Yaakov. The only problem with it, and I think Rona would say this to me if she was here, is that it doesn't really seem fair. No? I don't know. Well, because his mother made him right. do it, and it's not his fault, and he's a good person. Yeah, what do you want from him? Like, he didn't want to do it. Right? Even, even, the, even the Chazal point out, like, the language that's used in the Torah when he is putting on the clothing and he goes ahead, it's all very passive. Like, he didn't want to go, and she, like, forces him to go. He doesn't want to do any of this. And she's like, no, this is what you need to be. And now he gets punished for it. It's a very kind of difficult... Yeah, it's punished, but he still, like, becomes the father of the nation. Okay. Yeah, yeah so, what, so, so let's like, stay with that for a second. He suffer for the greater good of his family, and so that, you know, the first time time to be, you know... Fulfilled. fulfilled. Or maybe he should have... It gets tricky, though. It's keep it all the aim. Like, should he have stood up to his mother and not yeah, done it? Right, not done it? This without right. lying? Right, right. Rifkin Yitzchak could talk. Maybe. <laughs> <Be no longer>. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. What if? What if? I'm not. I don't know what Chazal would say want from him. But like, you're right. Like, maybe, maybe this, maybe this karma, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I'm not like. I'm just yeah. If he is being punished, no. And apparently, there's like a lot more of Midah Kenegad. Midah is like his whole life. You know, his descendants are battling against Esau's descendants forever. But if you know he's faulted for following what his mother forced him to do, it's definitely a tricky question. And even by the way, it goes further. By the way, why is Yosef away from Yaakov for twenty-two years? Chazal say because Yaakov was away from his parents. Right. Like, and then the, fell, and then the son like they sent him away. Him. Like you know, like yeah, there's so much hard stuff for him. You know, which a lot of it comes back to the to the lying. Um, a lot of it comes back to the lying and the tricking. He gets tricked by the sons about exactly because because of the lying that he does. So the, you could go. Like couple, nothing happens if the lie didn't happen, right? Right. Like nothing subsequently, nothing. And look, and Rivka is the one who says, "I look, I got a nevuah." It all starts because she gets the nevuah for she goes wh- whoever it is that you want to say in the midrash yeshiva shem ever. Even if not, the simple shot in the, in the Torah is that she's told by somebody, Rav Yavot Sayir. Right, there, there's two warring nations inside of you. This is not Midrash. This is the Sukkim, right? And, and one of them is going to overtake the other. So she had that information and she uses it the way she thinks. Right. But, I don't know. I, I don't know. But, it, but just, it's just interesting. Right? But she's probably, you know, she's smart. I find that, that you're talking about parallelism so I find it really interesting too because the first thing was like he sold the birth rate with the you know the lentil soup and which is also by the way yeah. also a little bit of a yeah he took advantage of him and, but he said he, um, Asa was like who cares it's worth nothing like it's like it's not worth the paper it's signed on right. right and then here he is with wealth and it got taken away back to Asa so it's like again. coming back again yep. there's so much of this in this story and it all goes back to the, the trickery. It's a lot of it. It's very hard. So I saw it's such an interesting idea that I saw um, from the Vilna Gon. I think I shared this idea from the Vilna Gon actually once. Um, but he says something so cool. Source number six. When she, when, when, um, when Rivka is telling Yaakov to go through with it. So she says to him, Ulai, he says, Ulai avi? He's going to find out. What's going to happen? I'm going to be in trouble. Right? And it's going to mess me over. And he's going to curse me. So by Tomer Lo Imo, she says to him, It'll be on me. Don't worry about it. Just get it going. 
so Allah kilas chavani. What does that mean? So it's a different pshatim. Some of you say it means like if you get punished, literally I'll take it. Like I'll accept whatever punishment Hashem has for you. I'll take that punishment. But the Vilna Gaon says something amazing. He says Allah is an acronym. Asaf, oh, remember this? Right? Yeah, years ago, yeah, this. Asaf, Lavan, right, Yosef. Hmm. Meaning, it's not going to be okay. <laughs> it's not going to be fine. <laughs> this is the collateral damage. Mm-hmm. It's going to work out, like you said, you're going to become Yaakov Avinu. The measure says, Chazal tells us that Yaakov's face is on the Kisei HaKavu. He's the only one. Why? But, we call it B'nai Yisrael. Right? I was talking to someone yesterday. I was a smart guy. I said, I, he said, asked me something about, I was asking him where he's from, whatever. He's like, are we related? I'm like, I don't think we're related. He's like, of course we're related. I'm Yaakov Avinu's grandson. I'm like, okay, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Right? But, but yeah, like, but that's where we go. Yaakov Avinu, that's, that's where it goes. Right? So he ends up with the, I don't mean the prestige, but he ends up with a legacy. Right? That's a, an incredible legacy. But it is not fun. And it's not enjoyable. And it's not a life that is, you know, pleasant, but it ends up, I think, I hope he would say at the end of his life, like meaningful, right? That he raised a family and at the end of the day, they sort of get along with each other and they're ready to be, you know, to have Kalaisha will come from his 12 children and it becomes, you know, in a certain sense, maybe worth it for him. But what she's saying to him is like, it's not all going to be, you know, strawberries and cupcakes and rainbows, cupcakes and rainbows. It's not going to be all good. It's not going to be so fun. It's not all going to go so great. But there's, but there's meaning there. She said, You're right. There's going to be, a, there's actually be more fallout. You think he's going to, your dad's going to be angry at you? Forget about it. It's going to be your whole life. It's going to be like this. Right? But, but, but that's what we do. Right? If, if you want to find value and meaning, sometimes it's going to be sacrifices, which is hard. But, but again, I don't, I don't think either way it has to be the right answer. The right answer could be he could have found a way to have a conversation and work it through and not be deceiving. And maybe that would have been better. I don't know. Um, but it's, I just think, find it fascinating that you know, this, 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 this messaging, and people are bothered by it. A lot of people are saying, how could it be? Yaakov Avinu does so much trickery. I don't know, it's a fair question. And Chazal are bothered by it. I think it was cool to see just to see that Chazal care. And they see it as coming back at him. And it's not like you can just do and, and, and it won't come back. It does come back. Um, it's interesting. There's one last place where it comes back, which is really interesting. Also, look at source number seven. And Rabbi Foreman quotes this Midrash and Rabbi Rava. Because there's one other place where we find the cry of Esav coming back at us much later on. Amar Bichanina, Kol Mishu Omer Shakarosh Baruch Hu Vatran, Vatran Hu Hu Yivatrum Bnei Meyuhi. Anybody who says that Hashem just like lets things go, so things will, you know, he'll, he'll let you go in a certain sense. God doesn't let things go. Ela Marich Ape Vegave Yilei, rather he he waits, right? He waits. And, he, and he's slow to anger, but, he, but what happens? But he eventually pays you back. There's one cry that Esav, the Yitzhak, Yaakov caused Esav to cry. He cries out, he screams, besides the crying, he screams this like horrifying scream. He's lost the Bechorah. And when does it come back eventually to get back to Yaakov's descendants? B'shushan habira. Shenemar v'yizak zakak After Mordechai hears about the, about the plan of Haman Hagagi 
Agag, many say, is from Amalek, who really comes from Esau, right? That he hears that, he hears that sound, he hears that decree, he cries the same cry, take you all the way back to Esau. But just another example, the Chazal kind of like have this very long arc of history in terms of how things get paid back historically. Uh, you know, in, in people's lives. That was the same language? Mm-hmm. That, so Zakh, Zakhar, Dola, it's the same exact words. It's the same exact words. Which, by the way, again, who wrote the words? Like, Mordechai and Esther wrote the Megillah. So, so they, they may, may have borrowed those words on purpose. Or, it's, or you know, or it's Ruch HaKodesh, they wrote it. But, like, does the language that gets placed back in, is, there's a reason why. It's meant to, right? To, it's meant to kind of, like, mirror that language. You just find it again in another place. So think about injury. It doesn't give us a, what I like about it kind of in a, in a good way, it doesn't really give us this like, you know, finality or this answer to the story because there's no answer. Right? It's just, this is how it goes. And this is kind of like the experience of the Avos, as we always talk about, all the different experiences of the Avos, kind of like take you in that direction that there are consequences and sometimes we like them, sometimes we don't but life has a way of kind of continuing to move and we just kind of like make our way and we don't expect it, cupcakes and rainbows, but we do our best with what, you know, hands, it's handed to us, just like Yaakov did, just like Yisrael did, just like Avram was, just like Yosef was. They don't live a life, there's not people who live lives of, you know, it's fun, you know, fun and easy. They live lives of meaning, but they're finding meaning in those difficult circumstances. And was Yaakov right or wrong? I, I don't know. Should he have tricked you? Not tricked him? I don't know. I don't know. But I think Chazal... Hashem would have intervened if that was really not the way things should have gone. Like, he lets things happen because it's for the greater good eventually. Like, we may not... I, You know, it's actually interesting. I heard recently, like, if you didn't know anything, you, you walked into a room, you see a guy with a knife, he's, like, cutting somebody open, like, you're screaming hard, like, blood everywhere, and you would freak out, right? But, like, if you find out, like, this is a surgeon and he's cutting somebody open because he's saving their life, like, he's doing something good... So if you take just that one moment in time, that one picture, it's terrifying. But we don't, it's the same thing. Hashem's sometimes doing surgery. Like we don't understand right. that it seems frightening. Right, but we have, but we also believe that we have Bechir HaKafshis. We have free will to make those choices. Look, I'll give another example. The story of the Asar Haruga Malchus, right? The 10 martyrs who were killed by the Romans. And it's, we read about it in Tishabah, we read about it in Yom Kippur. What's that based on? That comes in the Chazal when they draw the story up. They draw it up totally as a referendum on the brothers who sold Yosef, the ten brothers, right? And it's again, they made some type of shalom at the end, and we've talked about that a little bit. Like they made some type of, right, some type of shalom maybe at the end. But we live together as a nation afterwards. But there's still this sense that Chazal want us to like relive that and to recognize that actions matter. And, they, and so couldn't Hashem, couldn't Hashem have found some other way to get, to get us to Mitzrayim? If he wanted to, he could have. Did it have to be the brothers turning on each other and, and selling one of them into slavery? Presumably not. That's just the story that we're used to. It didn't have to happen. Right? We could have gotten there somewhere. There could have been a famine. I mean, there was a famine. Could have been a famine. They all have to go. And God says, go to Mitzrayim and, and finished. They didn't have to hurt each other to get there, right? So we see the stories as stories that sh- had to have happened that way, but they don't have to happen that way. And they, all, all these people have free will and you know what's interesting is that Chazal show us that that free will has consequences you know but then uh, we go back to the part where the Avos are terrible people <laughs> no it doesn't have to be terrible people but, but it can they be are. They're, they're, they're no they're human beings they're human beings 
they're human beings. And human beings don't always make the best choice. I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying that Yaakov made the wrong choice. I don't know if the right choice or not. I'm just saying that even the, by the way, even the right choice sometimes has a consequence. Right? I'm sure you've all been in situations I know I have. If I make a decision, you think it's the right decision, it's the right thing to do, and it has a terrible consequence. Some person's furious at you, some per- it hurts somebody really bad, you know, and, and, and that's sometimes really the right choice hurts. And sometimes it hurts somebody else. And you can never explain it to them, and you can never make it go away, and it'll reverberate. But it's still the right choice. And that could be the case here also. And maybe that's part of the lesson, you know, that we, that, that Everything's not cupcakes and rainbows, you know? Like, it's, it's hard. Life is mess sometimes. But it, by the way, it doesn't mean that we can't also remind ourselves that sometimes we made the right choice, even if it was hard and even if it hurt somebody and even if it didn't go, we picked two bad choices a lot of times, right? You make the best of the bad choices and you are where you are. And like, I, and I was like, and now we're going to end this depressing. No, but, 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 Give us a cupcake or a rainbow. No, but I think the point is, first of all, we have the cupcakes and rainbows that show up to like lift us out of that. You know, we need them. So this Shabbos, you know, I know, we don't have, the doesn't have so many, um, but we have them in life, you know, and I think we should appreciate them. I, I do that now, simply like, how, how are things going with your kids? I'm like, today was really good. <laughs> I just say that, today was really good. I don't know tomorrow's going to be. Today's good. Today was good. Today was good. Yesterday was bad. Today was good. <laughs> no, but I think it's hard when you know that they have Ruach HaKodesh and they know all this and they know this and this and this and you're supposed to look up to them as role models. I think it's always a bitter, we've talked about this many times, it's a bitter pill to swallow sometimes when you see them making fallible human mistakes all the time. It's just hard to put the two together as role models and as... And I think some people would see it the exact opposite way, that like they don't want, some people want their role models to be perfect, and some people want their role models to be super fallible. And it's really perfect. If you're perfect, then like, how like, I don't want to learn from you if you're perfect. I don't want to learn from perfect. you. These are like real horrible, they're not like, uh, you know what I mean? They're like, you know what I'm saying? they're horrible. You only see that, like, like a snippet of their life. Like you didn't see Yaakov's whole life. And the parts of the life. You just see those like few things that they totally decided to share with us. Right, we, we, we're brought to things we're meant to learn from. I'll tell you, I pers- I'll just tell you personally, it has been a really hard thing for me as of like, because now I'm super old, as I like get, as I, as I get, o- as I, as I get older, as I get older, right? At least I look at it a little bit. Um, but as I, as I get older in my life, right, to watch people who I respect say things or do things that I have a hard time with. That's hard for me. A no, Rebbe, a, 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 a parent, a parent mm-hmm. a, it's a hard thing to watch, right? It's hard to watch people that we admire, and you're like, but I don't really like that. That doesn't go for me. I don't really, that's not, that's not going to work for me, right? So I, the way, I, kind of the way I, I handle it is like I find like multiple people that I look up to, and like in different areas, I find like for this thing, that person works for me, and that thing, that person works for me. I mean, seriously, that, that like has helped me. Um, because I, because I, I can't put like all of my admiration in one person. I can't handle. I can't do that. But I think that's maybe the same thing. Is like that's the idea. I, I think it would be much worse. I, I don't know. If they the Torah is telling us these stories for a reason. And again, like we always say, they're not regular people. They're not just regular people. But they are people. But they are people. And we're told specifically the stories of their discord and problems and mistakes and mess. 
It's got. It's the reason no to tell it to us. Text. I mean, I know it's like we'll have the okay, ours is real and there's a fake. But like all religious texts, all religions are are stories of all these people who did like great bad things and you know fallible people and people who struggled. I mean, that's kind of. I mean, some religions it's stories of people who are like godlike and perfect. But I'm saying, are but, there? Who? Yeah. Like which? Religion? I don't know. I'm not like so fat. I'm not. I'm not like a. I'm no, not a. I mean, uh, like they're all like. <laughs> I'm not a yeah. I'm not a comparative religion guy. Sorry, I can't. I can't help you. I'm doing. I'm hard enough for me on this religion. <laughs> but but yes. But anyways, so it's something to think about. There are cupcakes and rainbows, uh, but it's also mixed with it's it's mixed with a mess, and I think that's part of the point. So maybe we'll stop.